0: So here's the question for us beginners learning subsistence farming. Can we keep something growing on Veg Hill 12 months out of the year?
1: Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Welcome to the podcast of May 25th, 2011. And I'll start out by saying to Lee, happy anniversary. And
0: happy anniversary to you. 37 years of marriage, and they have been delightful ma- years. We
1: should tell people we were only 10 years old when we got married. So <laughs> when you start doing the math, be very careful. <laughs>
0: But I am proud to say we've been married for 37 years. It's They've been 37 great years. They
1: really have. It's hard to believe. And looking
0: forward to 37 more.
1: That's right. Time flies. Uh, well, today, as much as I'd like to talk about our anniversary, we need to talk a bit about cover crops and crop rotation. You mentioned in your opening statement that we wanted to be able to keep something growing year-round on Veg Hill and I suppose in the orchard as well, just not have bare soil at all, right?
0: Exactly. That's, you know, when you're living and growing in central Alabama, you've got a couple of challenges that are also opportunities. In contrast to our neighbors who live in colder climates, our soil depletes. It loses its fertility very quickly because there's always activity going on. Twelve months out of the year, the little critters are chewing and pooping and so forth so (laughs) uh, you can lose fertility fast but the opportunity that flows from that is that you can keep something growing 12 months off the out of the year and if you keep something growing 12 months out of the year then you deal with that you you counteract that tendency for the soil to lose its fertility so that's our core strategy going forward
1: and and we think it makes sense And it also prevents erosion, to have something growing there, which with our hilly soil, that makes sense too, don't you think? Yeah, so
0: you're moving into the benefits of cover crops, which I think Um, are worth talking about. Before
1: we do, uh, you had something to say about Jeff Moyer, right? Jeff
0: Moyer is the, I guess he's like the agriculture director at, oh heavens, now I can't remember the name of the outfit, Rodale. And... I, I have heard him more than once speak about cover crops because he's real high on cover crops for obvious reasons. But what he says is, if you're serious about growing food organically, you ought to be spending just as much attention on your cover crops as you do on what he calls your cash crop, what you and I would call our target crop. Right. Right. If you're not think, spending just as much time on your cover crops as you are on your target crops, then you're probably missing some opportunities to mm-hmm. um, increase your production.
1: Well, guess what? We're not. I mean, that's we're probably missing some opportunities. Then. We
0: probably are missing some opportunities because you're right. We really have not, at least in the past, done that.
1: But that um, can change. And, and so, yes, I think now we can move into to the benefits, which we both see that there are benefits to having a cover crop. Um, one is just giving the soil armor, giving it, it we mentioned controlling erosion earlier. Uh, and with our hilly um, topography here. And sandy soil. And sandy soil. That's right. We must do something to hold on to that.
0: Uh, um, here at Longleaf Breeze, controlling erosion is an everyday concern. We must be thinking about it in everything we do. So... Yes, cover crops are essential in that respect because they do help us control erosion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They also add organic matter, of course, particularly the fall cover crops, uh, these uh, radishes that you can get that create tubers underneath the soil. Mm-hmm. They're great for adding organic mm-hmm. matter. Yeah. And they also make channels under the earth so that the, your target crop can follow those channels and quickly get down to where the nutrients are.
1: Yeah, and that's really important when you have sandy loam-type soil the way we do.
0: And and I guess the other thing that cover crops do with those tubers is they go down and they, they dig deep for nutrients, and they by the the nature of the way they grow, they bring those nutrients up so that the shallow roots of the target crops can use them and, and benefit from them. Yeah. So, um, and of course... Some of the cover crops, uh, notably the sun hemp that we're planning to uh, plant over on nine, ten, and eleven this summer, are also legumes. They fix nitrogen.
1: Right, and and some of our well, I like to plant corn, for example, which is a heavy nitrogen user. So. It is
0: a nitrogen feeder. Oh yeah. boy!
1: And and one other advantage I just thought about is some of our soil, especially in the, I guess the part of the garden the the northernmost part where we've had a lot of rocky soil um, it's compacted it's very dense and um, something like daikon radishes as a cover crop can help to break that soil up and loosen it so that for example when you plant sweet potatoes and you and
0: they need and some they, loose soil they
1: need some loose soil and um, maybe even carrots any kind of root vegetable that needs to go down in there we've noticed that last year probably commented on, on it in the podcast our sweet potatoes were mouth-shaped and, um, you know, they look odd sad. sizes. <laughs> but, and I'm afraid they may be that way again this year. Cause I'm we afraid didn't, so, but, too. But, you know, if we, over the years, plant daikon radishes as a cover crop in those areas of Veg Hill, that should help alleviate that problem. Yes,
0: it should. Over time, the soil should become looser and more workable and, and more accessible for things like the sweet potatoes.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about our... The way we originally planned Veg Hill to work.
0: That's right. We set out uh, when we created the rows of Veg Hill that we were going to have this east-west rotation thing where we would grow cover crop on half of Veg Hill and target crop on the other half of Veg Hill and just flip them each year.
1: Yeah. Which, I mean, it does have advantages, but I think I'm finding out that I like to use more than... uh, half of it. And some of the, uh, some of Veg Hill is not getting full sun. So I needed to take advantage of the rows that get full sun. If I'm going to go to the trouble to grow something, I want it out there.
0: Well, I think that's exactly right. I hadn't, I hadn't written that down in the outline, but you're a, a correct. That plan made a whole lot of sense to us last year when we were putting target crop on the west side mm-hmm. and sun hemp on the east. But now that we're depending on the east side, which does get more morning shade, yes, um, it's really beginning to chafe on you, I think, to yeah, have to limit yeah. your your uh, target crops to those rows. So, so now we're um, devising, I think, another approach to cover crops, which is probably more conventional, and that is to use most all of Veg Hill during the summer growing season. Mm-hmm but to have uh, only one or two rows where we allow those crops to continue into the fall. Mm -hmm. Most of them will go ahead and terminate the existing target crops and plant cover crop so that it has a chance to get established during the fall and get its roots strong and so forth. And then come the spring, it'll have a real growth spurt before we get ready to plant. Yeah. In the summer.
1: which will be very nice. I think we'll have better. Well, we're just trying to build our soil over the years and uh, not have to depend on Froggy Bottom or whoever. You know, yeah, to, to
0: and it looks it as if our most likely candidate for that cover crop that we grow in the fall will be some kind of forage radishes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so, you know, we'll we'll keep you posted about that when the time comes to plant that. But now we're facing, we do want to just take advantage of the the little bit of time we still have this summer to get some sun hemp out there. And so we have what, three rows in which we plan to plant sun hemp?
0: All of nine, all of 10, and I guess about half of row 11.
1: Which may not mean a lot to our listeners. So I would say pretty much the westernmost three rows, other than the one that has, you know, muscadines, muscadines on it. Right. Uh, because those will uh, be places that we can then next summer come back. And plant there. So um, I think the sun hemp will be a good addition for the nitrogen.
0: It's probably worth mentioning what we're planning to do now about perennials on row 11. Okay. You had, um, I, I think we had said earlier that we were earmarking row 7 for perennials, and now we've shifted that over to row 11 simply because we realized the perennials probably were going to need less attention on a day-by-day mm-hmm. basis. Yeah. So we said why don't we put them over so they so we don't have to walk right past them to deal with other things every day.
1: Well, and we're thinking that what we have now at the at the south end of that row is we have strawberries. And at the north end we plan to plant asparagus. So that will be our perennial row. Right. And uh, it's off to one side, too, which is also nice. You're not, you know, roti- you're not having cover crop and all these tall, you know, corn or whatever, you wherever we end up putting that from year to year, um, competing with or, you know, just having to walk through over and around um, strawberries and asparagus. Right. So I think there will be some logic to it, although it might not sound like it to people right now. <laughs> no, I, I, I think
0: it is logical. I, I You know, you and I thought through that fairly carefully and decided we uh, needed to have a focus of Veg Hill on the rows where something was really happening. So I'm proud of that approach, and Mm -hmm. uh, I I think it makes sense.
1: Even though we sort of accidentally started it just by putting the strawberries down there to begin with. That's true. (laughs) 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 But uh, anyway, well, I think that we do want to make sure we do – Rotation. Now, that's one thing we haven't really gotten into. We've been talking more about cover crops, but we want to make sure that we go along with the um, logic, and uh, which I think is it makes sense. That you don't want to replant the same crop two years in a row, where the pre- where the um, well, yeah, the not the predators, but the pests that might. Um, inhabit soil that's right and and you you don't
0: want to deplete the same nutrients year after year true
1: yeah those are both really good reasons for rotation um and and our
0: friend jan garrett suggested something and we sort of thought we would be following it but we certainly have not settled into following it yet Um, what she suggested given the structure of veg hill is that we just move things one row over every year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, what's different is that we haven't settled on any mix that is permanent. So, you know, we don't do the same thing year after year yet, so there's not any uh, consistent crop to move from row to row from year to year.
1: And some of our decisions are made a little willy-nilly, but... (laughs) A little,
0: I, I wouldn't use the term willy-nilly. Uh,
1: I would. <laughs> We're but, responding
0: <laughs> to events as they occur. Yes. Well, that? I
1: got some seed and I need a place to put it. Uh, but the other other way that we've been constrained is it's not fun for you to put T-posts and trellis wire up. And like one place where I said, let's just put the peas there. There was already some trellis. And you didn't have to put is pull T-posts out and put new. That's a really so, good point.
0: We have tended to... Uh, and. Like the uh, fall veg, we used uh, hoop, hoops for row cover for the fall veg, yeah. and we wanted to use hoops for row cover for the cucurbits. So you said, "Well, we'll just do that in the same row," and I, I appreciated that.
1: Yeah. But and we probably should interject something very sad here, yeah. which is since the last podcast, we we deployed the row cover over those hoops, and I needed just the next day. To pull up a spinach plant that was under that row, and I'm so glad I did. I looked at that underside of a spinach leaf, and there were squash bug eggs on it. I "Meaning said, we
0: were too late we were with too the row late. cover." We were too late. We
1: were infested. So I pulled that. We pulled that sucker up, and the said, row cover's
0: gone now. And I
1: have been going out and killing squash bugs and their eggs by hand every day since.
0: Which is the way we do it here in Central Alabama when you grow organically. Uh, killing squash bugs is not something you whip out the seven to do. You ha- you get out there with your hands and go after yeah. squash bug eggs yeah. and squish squash bugs with your hands. Right. And,
1: and I know the whole mention of the pests was not a uh, in- on the topic of
0: no, ro- but crop rotation. But it's certainly high on our minds right oh, now. Oh, it is. and it's very frustrating. And,
1: and because it related to the idea of why did we plant those crops in that location? Oh, we already had hoops. But now I've decided, unless you're going to put your row cover on the minute you put the seed in the ground, don't bother. You know, <laughs> it's like
0: Don't bother with row cover. Row cover for, yeah. for
1: squash bugs, anyway. Uh, and
0: uh, one of the things we've learned in just doing internet research on squash bugs is if you're going to use row cover, you must anchor it ever so tightly at every point because squash mm-hmm. bugs are crawlers. They're not flyers.
1: Yeah, they can get under. So, um, I, you know, to, to sort of wrap up our discussion about crop rotation and cover crops, we do want to work to keep something growing on the soil, in the orchard, and in the, the veg hill planting area for 12 months of the year. Um, and we'll continue to appraise you of our, our progress on that.
0: And let's switch gears and talk about a little unfortunate development that uh, we have experienced here in the last week. You've uh, struggled with some aches and pains.
1: Right. It's, it's uh, you know, any gardener will know that you get into some positions, or you can, if you're not as savvy as you should be, which I wasn't, you can get into some positions with your body that put it at risk for injury. And I've always been very fit and very, um, you know, confident that I can't hurt myself. I'm pretty indestructible. But that's turning out not to be true. I've, I had done a lot of leaning over, at leaning at the waist, which I know you shouldn't do, uh, to spread out soil for planting and leaning over to harvest and just all kinds of, of um, yeah, you know, contortion. Pick Contortionist, yes. Moves. Yeah. And Sunday, which was just a few days ago, I randomly leaned over to put something into the refrigerator. And that's when basically it was a straw that broke the camel's back, broke my back, whatever. It's It seems to be more of a lower back issue, like uh, sacroiliac. I'm not, you know, I can't remember my <laughs> biology as I'm well glad as I you should. Know the my physiology. But, um, whatever it is it's it's your typical gardener's lower back and many of you may be relating to this as you hear it so um and you probably just thought you dummy why did you wait so long to change your ways why did you wait till you hurt yourself um i'm thinking that but what i've done is i've gone to amazon.com and ordered myself one of those gardening stools with little wheels on it to to sit on when i'm doing hunched over sort of work to see if i can't save my back a little bit that way um, a friend of ours mentioned raised beds as a possibility um, to save a back. And the problem is with our irrigation system, we simply cannot use raised beds.
0: Well, obviously, you know, if we'll do what we have to do. Yeah. But um, it would be a major engineering challenge at this point to go to raised beds. Um, yeah. I can't say we, I won't say we can't do it, uh, but it would be a big job. To do that but
1: if the rolling stool does the trick then i'm fine with it uh, but yeah I, I think it is worth mentioning on a podcast like this that if you are growing anything not just food it could be you know ornamentals whatever um, it is possible to hurt yourself if you're doing a lot of repetitive motion so just be careful be smart and take care of yourself
0: And we're running out of time, so we probably should say goodbye at this point. Hope you have a great week, and we will look forward to visiting with you next week.
1: You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780 446 Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.